Hello and welcome to the podcast, Where Did the Rabbit Go? In this weekly podcast, we celebrate curiosity, critical thinking, and evidence-based skepticism. I'm your host, Marco, and this is show 79 for Thursday, July 29th, 2021. Dear Rabbits, this month of July, I am currently taking a little summer break, but I will not leave you without new content, as I have pre-recorded some episodes. They will be shorter because the critical thinking game Find the Fake is also on a break for this month. This episode is going to be another short one, but it was requested, so I was asked to do something about global warming. Let's do this. Okay, I will try to keep this short because this is a very complex topic. So we're just going to touch the bases here and probably are going to follow up more specific in future episodes. The first thing we need to talk about is the difference between climate and weather. Because most climate change deniers already fail at this argument. They are confusing weather and climate. Weather is the term for the conditions in a certain place at a certain time. For example, right now, here in Monterey, where I'm recording, it is sunny and the temperature is 27 degrees Celsius, with 70% humidity, almost no wind, and no chance of rain today, and an atmospheric pressure of 1,016 millibars. Those are the current conditions. That's the weather. Climate refers to those conditions, but over a long term. The expected average conditions. At this time of the year, here in Monterey, The conditions I described to you are typical except for the temperature. Today, it is lower than usual this time of the year. Temperatures between 35 and 40 degrees are quite common in July. Which is exactly where climate change deniers would argue, what global warming? It's not even that hot today. But they are confusing the two terms. Even though the climate tends to be warm in July, that doesn't exclude the chance of a colder day occasionally. So the next thing we have to understand is that climate is not a fixed thing. It is a dynamic system that depends on many factors. A place near the ocean or a great lake will have milder temperatures in winter and summer, and a place far away from any body of water will tend to the extremes, both in summer and winter. The elevation of a place is important. A place high up in the mountains will be colder. Your position relative to the poles and the equator matters as well. Warm and cold ocean currents have an influence on the weather too. For example, Europe is as far from the equator as southern Canada, roughly. But it's a lot warmer because of a warm current of water that comes through the Atlantic Ocean. The jet stream also has an impact. Solar activity can change the temperature slightly. And in the long term, over millions of years, continents drift. So there always has been warming and cooling periods naturally occurring on the entire planet, or just on a continent. But what is happening right now is not only natural. In order to understand that, we need to learn about the greenhouse effect. A greenhouse is a building made of glass, and there are plants on the inside. What happens with the glass is that it blocks ultraviolet light, but it lets visible light and infrared, which is heat, in. And the heat does not get out again, at least most of it. This means that the heat is trapped inside the greenhouse, keeping its inside much warmer than the outside. And we have all experienced this many times. Just get into a car that was parked in the sun. Keep the windows shut and don't turn on the AC. It gets very hot inside. 
That is the greenhouse effect, and you can experience it at any time. Oh, and yes, the glass blocks UV light. As long as the windows are closed, you don't get a sunburn inside the car. So the thing is that our planet acts like a giant greenhouse. Just instead of glass, the heat is trapped inside by the atmosphere. And that's actually a good thing. Without a greenhouse effect, the Earth would probably be a huge snowball, too cold to harbor life. But too much of a greenhouse effect and the Earth would be too hot for water to stay liquid. We just have to take a look at our neighbor Venus to get an idea what that could look like. So we need the right amount of greenhouse effect. And how much heat is exactly trapped inside depends on the composition of the atmosphere. Some gases in the atmosphere are more efficient in keeping heat trapped inside. And there is the problem. We are actively changing the composition of our atmosphere. To be clear, we have been all the time. So two major greenhouse gases are carbon dioxide and methane. And we breathe out carbon dioxide. It's natural. Plants, on the other hand, absorb it for their photosynthesis. We are all part of the same system and it used to be balanced. But that has changed since industrialization. For one, we are chopping down huge areas of trees, reducing the planet's ability to absorb carbon dioxide and produce oxygen. And we are also burning things in so many ways. We burn fossil fuels in power plants. We burn them in cars. And we also make barbecues. In some places, they burn even trash. And all of this releases carbon dioxide. And the big problem is that we cannot see the carbon dioxide. But we can measure it, and it's there. It goes into the atmosphere, and it stays there for a lot of time. And it increases the greenhouse effect. Let's look at the record. We can look back into the past by looking at ice in Antarctica. It's like the rings of a tree. The different layers of ice tell us how much carbon dioxide was there in the atmosphere at that time. This lets us gather data for about half a million years, well, including some past ice ages and warm periods. This can be graphed, and this graph is known as the famous hockey stick for its shape. Over hundreds of thousands of years, the CO2 levels were around 250 parts per million, sometimes increasing or decreasing a little bit, but within a small range around 250 parts per million. This started to slowly increase in the late 1800s and grow more rapidly around the year 1950. Now, in 2019, the CO2 level was measured to be around 410 parts per million. Those are levels like they had never existed before during the time of our species. If you look at the data and understand it, you can only come to one conclusion. This warming period is different to anything that occurred naturally, and we are causing it with our lifestyle. And the political will still seems to be missing, because solving this is a huge long-term project. Future generations are inheriting the problem, and it looks like Gen Z is finally the generation who is understanding this. Even if we stop burning fossil fuels now, the CO2 levels would probably not start decreasing for another century. But we have to act. Now. What can we do? First of all, we can all try to save electricity. Turning off devices when they are not used. And we can try to avoid using a car. We can walk shorter distances. Use public transportation. Carpool. 
and there are other ideas. All of this will reduce the amount of fossil fuels that are being burned. But this is only a little grain of salt, just a drop in the barrel. We have to vote for politicians who understand science and who don't deny it. Why? Because we need to stop producing electricity from fossil fuels. The solution is renewable energy. We need more solar cells, more wind turbines, hydroelectric power plants. And yes, for the transition, we also need nuclear power plants. All of this needs to be affordable to people. And we need enough to sustain our energy needs 100% renewable. Unfortunately, in some places, like here in Mexico, we currently have governments who are trying to push us even more into the dependence of fossil fuels. Just because Mexico has traditionally been a petroleum country, that's the basket they are planning to put all their eggs in. So we need to vote against this type of government. The damage is huge and almost impossible to repair. Well, what else could governments do? Well, just like there are gases that keep the earth warm, there are also gases that cool it down. We learned that from an eruption of Mount Pinatubo in 1990. That year, the global temperature was half a degree lower. It's because of the sulfur dioxide in the gas clouds of this volcanic eruption that covered pretty much all the Earth. So, we could, for example, pump sulfur dioxide into the atmosphere to cool down the Earth. This would be called geoengineering. But here's the catch. This gas only lasts for about a year. So we would have a constant need of producing more and more of it. That sounds like a huge scale and very expensive project. The other thing we can do is to make clouds brighter so they reflect more light back into space. But again, this is huge, complicated and expensive. And there is this problem I see with geoengineering. We cannot really test it. Testing it would mean to use it already. And that would commit us and future generations. And without testing, we don't know about undesired secondary effects. Remember that weather is a complex, sensitive system. What if we start this, but then notice that for some areas it has undesired side effects, like droughts or huge amounts of rainfall? This is a Pandora's box that, in my opinion, we should not open. What else could we do? Instead of making clouds brighter, we could make our cities brighter. Why not paint the streets and all the pavement white, the rooftops white, or plant gardens on the rooftops to keep the houses cooler? And yeah, the white surfaces also reflect more light back into space. Again, those are just little things and all by itself it's not enough, but it's something we could do. What about some other extreme measures. What about colonizing and terraforming Mars? Yeah, that sounds like an option, but let's remember, so far no human has even set foot on Mars. And living there means to overcome huge challenges. Solar radiation, the lower gravity, the lack of a breathable atmosphere, the very low temperatures. It is not a place where we can live the way it is now. And terraforming it, meaning to turn the whole planet into an environment with plants, and a breathable atmosphere and balmy temperatures. That is even a much bigger project than geoengineering. So in conclusion, those projects sound like science fiction and maybe they are doable one day, but they come with a huge cost and we're looking at huge timescales. Our best shot is still to adapt our lifestyle 
to the situation here on Earth. Having less children and stopping overpopulating, reforesting areas, not using cars excessively. We need electric cars to be mass-produced and affordable to even the lower middle class. And we need charging stations everywhere instead of gas stations. And we need to turn away from burning fossil fuels and push for renewable energies. And we need to understand that this is a marathon for several generations. Someone like me in their early 40s, even if we change our lifestyle now, we will most likely not see the benefits of this in our lifetime. But our children or our grandchildren might. And we owe it to the future generations. Because we already are leaving them with the responsibility to solve these huge problems that we have caused. And they will have to live with the consequences, although they have never signed up for it. That's pretty messed up. The bottom line is, we need to stop being selfish. Stop thinking about only the here and now and about just ourselves. Most likely, we are already going into the history books as the generation who knew about the problem but chose not to do anything about it and made it all ten times worse. What a questionable honor to go down in history like that. Dear Rabbits, this is all for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much for taking your time and listening. If you like the show and you want to support me, there are easy and painless ways which are for free. Rate and review the show on iTunes and Spotify. Subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcatching platform. Share it with your friends on social media. Follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. You can find all the links in the show notes. Every little bit helps. If you want to be on the show or know somebody that you'd like to be a guest, please drop me a note on social media. Stay safe and stay curious. Until next Thursday, I am Marco, and this has been Where Did the Rabbit Go?